Well, good morning. Merry Christmas, almost one week away. Great to see you all here this morning. And I want to start this morning by just thanking you for making the huge sacrifice to come out this morning and be here at church. Every one of you that's here right now this morning, you chose to miss the World Cup final to be here instead. And I know how great of a sport and how much you all love soccer. Huge sacrifice, and thank you for being here. Um, I'll keep you updated. Uh, The game is on, on the screen right now. I'm watching it. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) But it's killing me that it is on and I'm not watching it, so (laughs) I'll watch the highlights later. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. And I wasn't here last Sunday. Casey and I, we were actually out of the country. So connect as well as the things we do here locally to impact our community, to impact our nation. We have a heart and a vision to, to make an impact globally. So when you give, those of you who give on a Sunday morning, when you give, some of what you give gets set aside into our missions fund. And primarily, we use that to help plant churches um, around the country, but also around the world. So we're always looking out for opportunities where we can plant more churches, make a difference. And I love the fact that here in little Washington, Illinois, we're having this global impact. So last weekend, Casey and I, we were actually able to uh, travel over to a partner we have in Austria in Europe, a church planting organization there. And uh, they are a group that have a vision to plant churches in every community of Austria. There are about 90 different communities. They've already planted 14 churches. They have four more uh, ready to launch here very soon. And their goal, they've got a huge vision to plant churches all across the nation of Austria. And uh, if you know anything about Europe, it's a very unchurched uh, nation and an unchurched continent. So it's not as easy to plant churches there as it would be here in America. But they are doing a great job and lives are being changed and people are coming to know Jesus. And uh, while I was there, because you have been a part of supporting what they do, I asked one of the church planting couples I met, Sabina and Mikael, to send a little greeting to us here at Connect. So check this out. All right, so I'm here with Mikael and Sabina, two wonderful church planters in Austria, and they're going to say hi to us here at Connect. Hey, hi, and thank you so much for your support and that you pray for us and for your investment. Uh, Yes, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you for everything you give. You make things possible here in Austria for us. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. You are awesome people. Thank you. And tell us about, tell us uh, where your church is that you planted, you pastored. We're going to look it up on Google Maps. Uh, we have a, a, a startup in Horn. It's in the uh, north of Austria and in Urfa Umgebung and also Zell am See. Yes. Three church plants that these guys have uh, helped establish and are overseeing. So, thank you so much, guys. You guys are awesome. Lovely to meet you both. So, in my usual fashion, spontaneously, I had this idea to say to them, hey, tell us where these churches are, because we're going to look them up. And she said, one of them's in Fawful <laughs> And I'm not sure where that is, or even how to type that into Google Maps. So, we'll do some more exploratory uh, uh, work here to try and figure out where on earth in Austria that is. But she did tell me, and uh, I, we did talk a lot about this, because I know this area, uh, that one of the churches they're planting is in a place called Zellamsee. And uh, if you've not heard of that, I found a picture of it. Here's Austria, by the way. 
This is the nation. So uh, Zelamzee is in the Salzburg region, somewhere around here. And uh, it looks a little bit like this. So I've been asking Jesus uh, if he would want to send me to help them with this church plant there. Just a real sacrifice, you know, to have to suffer for him in, in that area. But uh, it's a beautiful country. But uh, so many people there. It's a very Catholic um, uh, tradition over the country. But even those who attend the Catholic church are disengaged. They don't really have a spiritual desire to serve God. So, but they are excited because God is doing something new in their country. And you play a part in that. You're making a difference in the nation of Austria. So we're going to do more with them in the new year. You'll hear more about that. But uh, it's exciting to be a part of a church that does so many things across the world. But at Christmas, we've been talking the last few weeks about this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. It's a very Christmassy word. It's not a word that we use very often in our everyday language, but we hear it in Matthew when he's describing the birth of Jesus and the encounter of the angel with Joseph. And in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, he says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Obviously, Mary and Joseph named uh, their baby Jesus, but he had other names that he was known by, and one of those names was Emmanuel. And the reason he was known by this name, Emmanuel, is because Emmanuel literally means God with us. And that's, that's what Jesus was. It was God. God the Father coming in the form of God the Son to be present in the flesh with us here on earth. And over the last three weeks, we've talked about the fact that even though Jesus was present, God was with us in the form of Jesus 2,000 years ago, his plan has always been to be God with us. We looked back to creation, how with Adam and Eve, God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. Last week, if you were here, Whitney did a fantastic job. She took us back to the Old Testament and, and told us a story about how God was present in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a fire. God was right there with his people. God was with us when Jesus came. And today we're going to see how God continues to be with us even to this present day. Because thanks to something amazing that happened 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, God is still Emmanuel. God is still with us here today. So let's take a look this morning at what happened um, to help us understand this idea of how God can be with us. So in order to fully understand this, we've got to go all the way back to an earlier part of Jesus' life. He hasn't yet begun his public ministry, but he's come and his cousin is John the Baptist. And Jesus decides, he, he says, I want you to baptize me. So Jesus makes the choice to be baptized. And listen to the description of what happened that day. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. After his baptism... As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Now, in the nine years that we've been a church here at Connect, we've done hundreds of baptisms at the middle school, here on this stage at our new building, and in all the time that we've done those baptisms, never has there been a voice from heaven. Not once. There's never been a bird that's got into the building and settled on the person who was being baptized. But it sounds like both of those things happened here when Jesus was baptized. We learned that the Spirit of God, like a dove, descended and settled upon Jesus. 
And if you read about the life of Jesus in the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can see that this, this Spirit of God, we call him the Holy Spirit, he was a, a part, an integral part of Jesus' life throughout all of his ministry. Many times throughout the accounts of Jesus' life, we, re- we read that he was full of the Spirit's power as he performed a miracle. You'll read of these amazing miracles he performed, and, and it'll say, and, and full of the Spirit's power, Jesus healed the man, or Jesus did this, whatever it might be. Oftentimes, as you're reading the story of the life of Jesus, you'll hear um, the account will say, and led by the Spirit, Jesus went to. Maybe he went to Jerusalem, or maybe he, he left a city. But oftentimes, you'll read, Jesus was led by the Spirit. The Spirit was involved in Jesus' life in, in showing him where to go. And it's kind of hard, I'll be honest, to wrap your mind around because um, God the Father, and now you've got God the Son in Jesus, and he's being led by the Holy Spirit, who is God the Holy Spirit. So it's this idea of this Trinity, three in one, and it's, it's very difficult to understand. And in the new year, we're actually going to do a whole series just talking about the Holy Spirit. Because we don't really talk about that, that part of God's nature enough. And I think it's going to be really interesting to find out the role and the, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, how he can really impact our lives. But just know this this morning, that the Holy Spirit is just as much Emmanuel, God with us, as Jesus, as God the Father. That's his desire, is that God can be present with us through the Holy Spirit. So knowing that, let's now look at how the Holy Spirit factors into the story of the life of Jesus and brings us to where we are this morning. John was one of Jesus' disciples. He was actually one of his closest friends. And he wrote an account of the life of Jesus. One of the the four books we read that tell us about the life of Jesus was written by John. And in John 13, 33 to 37, John says this. He's, He's quoting Jesus. Dear children, Jesus said, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. This is the end of Jesus' life. He's starting to explain to his disciples now that, that within the next few weeks, maybe days, his life will be taken from him. He'll be crucified. He'll die and he'll rise again. And, and John's writing this, knowing all of this now. Because John's writing many years later. He he's now understands what Jesus meant. Because years have gone by and he's seen Jesus die. He's seen Jesus rise again. So John gets it now, but the account he's writing here is of how it was playing out during the moment when none of us really understood. I was thinking about that this week and I thought about um, how that kind of plays out in my life a little bit. So one of my um, joys as a pastor is I get to perform wedding ceremonies. Uh, Many times it's folks from within Connect. Sometimes it's folks I've seen grow up in Connect as teenagers and then they become young adults and they get married and I get to officiate their wedding. And I love it. It's brilliant. And one of my roles when I officiate these weddings is I meet with a couple ahead of time. We'll have three or four meetings together and uh, that's kind of our counseling and our preparation for the wedding. 
And oftentimes, during these counseling sessions, I'll sit there and I'll tell them things about marriage. I'll, I'll talk to them and I'll give them advice and, and tell them things to expect once they're married. And you can see they're just smiling and nodding. And they understand what I'm saying, but I know that they don't really understand what I'm saying because they're not yet married. One of my favorite bits of advice that I give to married couples is the idea of expectations. I'll, I'll tell them, you know, you've both grown up in very different families. So when you come together as a new family, um, some of your expectations will be affected by how you grew up. And this can cause conflict sometimes in a marriage. For example, maybe you grew up and your mum uh, worked full time. And maybe your partner, um, they grew up and their mum didn't work full time. She was at home. So now you've both come together as a new couple and you've both got this idea of the role of, of mum, the role of the wife in the household. And, and they're not right or wrong, they're just different. Maybe you grew up in a household where your parents used to argue and fight in front of you and they resolved their conflicts and it was all very healthy. But, but maybe you grew up in a household where you never saw your parents fight because they would wait till you got into bed. Or they'd go in another room in the house and they'd, they'd deal with it there. And again, it's not the one's right or one's wrong, but you've both got these different expectations. And I'll say to them, um, probably the best example I can give, and this is rather a humorous example, and it's a great example to share this morning here at Connect, because it's about Christmas. Maybe you grew up with some Christmas traditions in your house, and maybe your spouse-to-be grew up with some Christmas traditions in their house. And when you form this new family, one of your first hurdles you may have to overcome is, how are we gonna do Christmas? Well, we don't open Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. Oh, yes, we do. We always open a gift on Christmas Eve. Oh, no, we don't. Christmas gifts stay under the tree until Christmas morning. For Casey and I, this turned out to be one of our very first, um, you know, things we kind of had to work through because for us, we didn't have the luxury of saying, you know what, let's spend Christmas Eve with your parents and then we'll spend Christmas Day with mine. Or let's spend Christmas morning at my house and then we'll pop over to your house on Christmas afternoon. No, for us, it was we're either fully in England or fully in America. So we either spent Christmas with my family or we spent Christmas with Casey's family. So we tried to alternate fairly, but what we discovered earlier on in our marriage is that Christmas was different. I remember Casey came to my house for the very first time on Christmas morning. She's grown up her whole life celebrating these Brewer Christmases, and now she gets to celebrate a Jane Christmas. And at the Jane house, we get all the presents from under the tree. We give them all out to everyone. So you're sat there with every present in front of you. And then my mom says, all right, off you go. And we just all start opening. We just all open our own presents right there, just, just work our way through. And Casey's just like, what? what's going on? What? She's trying to open hers, but she's also looking because she knows she's got that for my sister. And she's looking, and everything's happening at once. She goes, whoa, what's happening? What's happening? She's freaking her out. Now, imagine how freaked out I was when I go to her family for the first Christmas and they do one present at a time. Casey, Casey has five brothers and sisters. Between them, they've got 30, am I right? 30 cousins, 30 grandchildren. <laughs> so we sit in the basement of her house, and one by one, all 30 of those children open their gift, and we all just sit and watch. <laughs> Finally, December 29th, it's my turn. <laughs> We've been there for three days now. I get to open my present. Everyone's watching me, like 30, 40 pairs of eyes just looking at me. And I'm opening it and I'm like, awesome, this is great. What is it? It's so much pressure because I'm opening it out and everyone's looking. I've got to have the right reaction. And man, talk about two different expectations. <laughs> one wasn't right, one wasn't wrong. They were just different. And 
I tell these stories to these couples when they get married and they laugh and they smile. And I hope and I pray that one day, years from now, they'll be in a situation as a couple, they'll be like, oh, now I get it. Now I know what Dave was talking about. This is that Christmas. I know why you're mad at me. I remember what Dave said at the blend years ago. And that's what's happening here. John's writing this story about the life of Jesus, and in his head he's thinking, I get it. I understand now why Jesus was saying what he said. And it's really important to understand that because this next part that Jesus said had to have really frustrated the disciples when at the time they didn't understand why he was saying it. He says, if you love me, John 14, 15 through 16, if you love me, obey my commandments, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. He's saying, I have a plan in the future to send the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will never leave you. It says, he will never leave you. God, Emmanuel, God with us. And at the time, the disciples and John had to be thinking, we don't want the Holy Spirit. We like you. We like having you with us. What's all this talk about you leaving? We don't want you to leave. These last three years have been incredible. We're on a mission here. The world is changing. We want you with us all the time. And Jesus is trying to explain to them what is to come, but they don't get it. In John 16, verse 20, he says, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. Again, when Jesus was saying this to the disciples and to John, they didn't get it. We don't understand what you're saying. You're saying this is gonna be like childbirth, like we're gonna be sad at first, but then we're gonna be happy. I don't think we are. If you leave, we're going to be sad. We can't imagine any good coming out of you leaving. But years later, John had to be thinking, I get it now. I understand. Man, that childbirth analogy is perfect because that's exactly how it was. We were so sad. We were so broken when he died. But when he rose again, wow, everything changed. And it is a great analogy. Any of you here who have have been through the process of bringing a child into this world understands that analogy. 22 years ago, Casey and I, we had our first, well, we didn't, she did. We had our first child, Ben. And it was a really difficult birth. She was in labor for 42 hours. 42 hours of labor. I know it was terrible and then... can I tell them about the stuff? I'm there now. So three hours pushing, getting this boy into the world. It was really tough experience. We'd been through all these classes, training, and I remembered my role was to be there to encourage her and to keep saying, hey, you're doing great, you're doing great. And uh, they taught us how to do these breathing exercises. So, I mean, 42 hours is a long time. I hadn't eaten much. So shortly before Ben was born, someone bought some donuts. I'm like, thank goodness, I'm starving. So I managed to sneak away quick and eat a couple of donuts. But then I came back in and I got into Casey's face and I'm like, come on, Casey, you're doing good. Come on, breathe, breathe. Come on, just keep breathing like this. And she's like, she's trying, and suddenly she just looks at me with a face I've never seen in my life. Life before or since, 
She goes, get your freaking donut breath out of my face. <laughs> I mean, like an, a monster. It was like terrifying, possessed. <laughs> we were talking about this last night because I did get permission to tell this story. She says, still, I don't enjoy donuts. It's been 22 years, just that smell in my face. I can remember at the time thinking, this is it. We're going to be a one-child family. We are never <laughs> going to have another kid after this one. But it's amazing because it wasn't long after that that we're holding Ben and we're loving him and, and, and all the pain seems like a memory. I mean, I could still feel it a bit when she was squeezing my hands, but it was, it was getting better. So and as the pain subsided, I thought, I think we want to have another child. And we did, and we had a third child. And that's the analogy Jesus is using here because he understands that the childbirth is painful and it's, it's, it's difficult, but the joy outweighs it. And Jesus is saying, you don't get it now, but there's gonna be a painful experience as I leave. But trust me, you've gotta go through that pain because the joy on the other side is gonna far outweigh the pain. And then he explains it here, and I love this, because again, I love reading it in the, the, the eyes of the disciples who still don't get it. Imagine hearing this and not knowing that Jesus is gonna die and rise again. John 16, verse six through seven says, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocates won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. We get it now. But at the time, they were thinking, we just can't imagine a scenario where it's good that you go away. But Jesus said, not only is it good that I go away, it's best that I go away. Because when I go, God the Father is gonna send someone in my place. He's referred to here as the advocate. It's the Holy Spirit. I can only be with you here right now, Jesus is saying, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he can be with everyone. Everyone who has a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit is present in their lives. He can be with everyone, everywhere, all at the same time. And 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, there was an incident that we read about in the book of Acts known as Pentecost. Pentecost. The disciples, they were praying together. It says that the Holy Spirit came and he filled them all. Every one of them, they were praying. Suddenly the Holy Spirit, just like when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came in. He filled every one of them. And at that moment, Emmanuel, God was with them and God was in them. This was more than just walking alongside Jesus. This was the presence of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit inside of them. Just a day or two later, Peter preaches to a crowd in Jerusalem and 3,000 people that day made a decision to follow Jesus. And listen to how it's described. Uh, the writer of the book of Acts in Acts 2.38 says that in verse 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift no strings attached, you don't have to work. It's a gift that God wants to give you of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, when you make that decision to repent, when you make that decision to say, you know, I've tried life in my own strength. I've tried to do it my way. I thought I knew what I was doing and, and I've made some mistakes along the way, but I just still feel like there's something missing in my life. 
repentance, it literally is a U-turn. It's a point of saying, you know what? Living my way isn't working. I'm going to make a decision to turn around and live God's way. To turn around and follow Jesus. To repent of my sins, to turn to God, to be baptized. At that point, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. It's like God's seal upon your life. It is God with you, God with us, Emmanuel. And what does God do through the Holy Spirit in your life? Well, in this series next year, we're going to talk a lot more about what he does because there's a, a whole range of things the Holy Spirit empowers us and equips us to do. But this morning, I want to just think back a second because do you remember um, Jesus referred to him as the advocate? Do you remember when he said the word advocate? Well, that's from a Greek word. The Greek word is paraclete. And um, there really isn't an exact meaning, an exact natural translation uh, for that word paraclete. It can mean several different things in the English language. And there's a translation of the Bible called the Amplified Bible. It's a great translation because what it does is as you read it, when there are words like this, it kind of gives you all or a selection of different words that could be used to define this one Greek word. So in the Amplified Bible, the verse we just read a second ago, John 16, verse 7, reads like this. I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage, it's best that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the paraclete, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. All these descriptive words to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is, who he wants to be in our lives. And I want to look at just a few of them here this morning, because it's great to say Emmanuel means God with us. And I would imagine that if I were to go around the room this morning and ask everyone of you, hey, would you like God to be with you? The majority of you would say, yes, absolutely. We celebrate that at Christmas. We love the idea that God came down to be with us. But I want that all year round. But if we are going to ask God to be with us, what does that really mean? What are we really asking for? Who is God going to be when he's with us? What is the role he's going to play in our lives? Well, the, the Holy Spirit helps us understand that a little bit more. Some of the things that God wants to be to us are unpacked in that phrase. Helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener. Let's just look at a couple of those words here this morning. The comforter. I believe this is an attribute of God that we experience through his Holy Spirit. Your house is probably like mine, that in front of the TV, somewhere in that room, there's a basket or there's something that's just full of blankets. And we've got that basket in our living room and uh, everyone except me has their own blanket. Uh, I just get whatever's left, whatever no one else is putting on, whatever the dog isn't laying on, I get the last one, okay? And sometimes if I'm lucky, there's one that I really like. It's kind of like a little duvet blanket, like a comforter. And I just love it because it's not huge, but when I put it on, just instantly it just starts to warm me up and it's just great to sit and watch a movie and just sit under the blanket. And, and when I read this word comforter, I think of that. I think of that picture of, of how I feel when I wrapped up in a comforter. And God, through the Holy Spirit, he wants to be that for us. Whitney talked a lot about this last week. When we go through the trials of life, he's there with us in the fire. Not just there with us watching, but he wants to be our comforter. It's like he wants to wrap his arms around us. And some of you have experienced that here this morning. You've been through some very difficult and very dark times. Times that you wish hadn't happened. If it was your choice, you would choose that this hadn't have happened. But the world we live in is broken. 
And as a result, broken things happen. But in talking to many of you who have been through those difficult, dark times, you'll say, you know, it was such a difficult time, but through it all, as I look back, I can see times where it's like God was just wrapped around me, carrying me through, just wrapping himself around me, comforting me in the midst of my pain and my sorrow and my brokenness. That's the Holy Spirit. God, Emmanuel, God with us in the form of a comforter. You know what else he wants to be? He wants to be our strengthener. He wants to be our strengthener. That word paraclete can be translated strengthener. The Holy Spirit who Jesus had to leave so we could experience in our lives. The Holy Spirit this morning wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you the strength to make the right decisions, to avoid making the wrong ones. Do you know one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of the teachings of Jesus. That's why when you listen to sermons or when you read your Bible, um, you know, sometimes you don't remember everything that you read or everything that you hear, but there'll be moments where you're faced with a situation in your life and it's almost like suddenly, wow, I've remembered what they preached about at church. I've remembered what I've read in the Bible. Because you're in a moment where you're questioning how you should respond to a situation. And remembering in that moment that we're meant to forgive others. We're meant to love our enemies. We're meant to honor one another, even when we don't agree with what they say or do. And these thoughts pop in our mind because we are being reminded of what Jesus taught. We're being reminded of what Paul taught. We're being reminded of what the scriptures teach by the Holy Spirit in that moment. We're faced with a decision. And it's great that that's part of the role of the Holy Spirit to remind us of that. But then... We've got to do it. Sometimes we can be reminded that we should forgive those who hurt us. And we're like, you know, I know. I know that as a follower of Jesus, I know that I'm meant to forgive that person. But I'm having a really hard time doing that. God, would you help me? And the strengthener comes in. And we don't have to do it in our own strength. God doesn't say, these are the rules and you've got to figure out how to follow them. He says, hey, this is the standard. This is how, if you live your life, you'll experience the best life possible. But it isn't easy. Which is why I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the strengthener. So that when you're faced with those decisions, you'll have the strength to follow through with what you know is the right thing to do. He's our advocate. Advocates. If anyone here is in the legal profession, you'll know that's kind of a, a legal word. Your advocate's kind of your lawyer. It's the person who stands there on your behalf, who represents you before a judge. When you're in a situation, you don't want to be alone. You want someone beside you who can advocate on your behalf. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's there defending against the sin in our lives by bringing to light the fact that Jesus died in our place for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the job of the advocate to remind us, no, you've been forgiven, not because of anything you did, but because of what he did, because of what Jesus did in your place. That's a wonderful attribute to know that there's a, a, an advocate who's on our defense, who represents us, who's looking out for our interests, but you can have an advocate who's part of the defense, but also part of the offense. And in the same way, sometimes the advocate reminds us of what the law says, 
what the, the, the rules are, what the, um, the standards are for us following Jesus. And sometimes the advocate convicts, and this is important, never condemns. If you're feeling guilty about something you've done, that's not coming from God. That's coming from the devil. The devil wants to condemn you, make you feel bad about what you've done. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, he'll convict. He'll bring light to the things in our life. But then he'll also strengthen and love and guide us as we say, I don't want to live in this, this, this state of unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever it might be. And God, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, he doesn't condemn us of that. He convicts us. He says, there's a better way. There's a better way. Allow me to give you the strength to step out of this situation. There is a better way. If you'll allow me to help you. That's who the advocate is. He doesn't sit back and just allow things to happen. He points out the way to a better way. The truth is there have been so many times in my life as I was thinking about this message this week, as I look back, that I see evidence of the advocate in my life. Situations, attitudes, behaviors that I've known. Man, God is pointing that out to me. That is something that needs to change. I recognize the advocate in my life. Sometimes it's been really difficult to make those changes, but I'll tell you what, every time I've responded and allowed him to change parts of my behavior, my attitude, whatever it may be, man, I see things differently. It changes who I am, how I live my life. None of these would ever happen if it were not for the fact that from creation all the way through the Old Testament, through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to Jesus himself living on this earth, to God the Holy Spirit coming after Jesus had gone to this present day, none of this would happen were it not for God's commitment to be Emmanuel, God with us. From the very beginning to today, December 18th, yep, 2022, God's still with us in this place this morning. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in your life this morning. If you're here and you've been coming regularly now and, and you enjoy coming, but you don't really feel like you understand what it is to have God with us. I understand that God is there, but I don't understand what it means to have God with me. I want you to experience that. So many of us have gone through what Peter said there in Acts, that we've, we've repented, we've turned, we've come to God, we've experienced God with us. And at the end of the service this morning, as we do every Sunday, there'll be an opportunity to come forward and pray. And if you want to experience God with you in that same way, make today the day. Make today the day that you come and ask one of our prayer team, would you pray with me? Would you help me understand what it means to have God with me? Not God around me, not God in the life of my spouse, not God every Sunday morning for an hour, God with me. Because that's who he wants to be. And if you're not experiencing that, it's not God, it's us. We've not allowed him to be there because from creation to the present day, in this series, we've discovered that he is Emmanuel, God with us. I wanna close out with one last story this morning that just really um, illustrates the power of how our lives can be impacted when we'll allow the Holy Spirit into our lives to guide us, to strengthen us, to advocate on our behalf. One of the ways we see the Holy Spirit at work in the life of Jesus was that he led Jesus. We hear how he was led out 
into the wilderness, how he was led to Jerusalem, how he was led to this city. The Holy Spirit was, was guiding Jesus' life. Even though Jesus was the Son of God, he still allowed God to lead him and guide him. And I think many of the miracles that we see take place in the life of Jesus are because he was led by God. God had his great plan, and, and Jesus allowed himself to be led by God. I had one of those opportunities recently where God led me into a situation as the pastor here of Connect Church, and I just knew it was God. I knew this was a God moment. It all started about a month ago. I got an email from a family here at Connect. They said, hey, just want to let you know there's a, a neighbor of ours. They don't attend Connect, but after the storm the other night, um, uh, a tree came down in their yard, did a lot of damage to one of their cars. Just wondered if this is something that Connect could help with. So I said, wow, I hope so. I'd love to see if we can help. So I went over and I met this um, family and I met the daughter of this family. Her name's Grace. Here's a picture of Grace. Grace lives here in Washington with her family and that's her just about six months ago. She's so excited because she's just purchased her very first car. She's 19 years old. When she was 15, she got a work permit so she could work at the age of 15 and she would walk from her house to Hardy's several times a week for a job. Over several years, she worked at Hardy's and she saved up enough money until finally at 19, she was able to buy her very first car. And this was her just six months ago, so excited that she saved up enough money to buy this car. Unfortunately, when I got to the house, I discovered that this was the car that had suffered the most damage from the tree. Where it was parked on the driveway, I mean, it could have fallen anywhere, but right there on her, her car, it fell. I went over just hoping that maybe uh, we would know someone here at Connect who'd help with the repairs. You know, maybe it was fixable. Maybe there's something we could do. But when I got there and looked, I realized this, this car was beyond repair. And sadly, the only thing Grace and her family could do was call a scrap company and they came and they towed that car away. I felt like at the time the Holy Spirit was leading me to do something on behalf of Connect Church to help this family. Now, if you're new here at Connect, maybe you don't, haven't heard me say this, but our philosophy here at Connect is that God called us to be a church that impacts this community. So while you are here on a Sunday morning, you're part of the Connect church that comes and gathers on a Sunday morning, you're just a part of what God has brought us here to do. We believe that God has put us here to, to make a difference in the community of Washington. So the, the folks that make up Connect church aren't just you, it's everyone in the city of Washington. And we ask God, God, lead us to help people in this community. And I felt at this moment that this kind of lined up with something that we uh, had on our hearts and our vision. And ironically, this was right before we did our Give 2022 offering just a few weeks ago. And at the time, we'd already been talking about this idea of coming up with something here within the church called Project 61571, where we could help local families, we could help make a difference. If somebody's going through a difficult situation, wouldn't it be great if we had the funds to help that family at that time? And as I'm there, talking to this family, talking to this lovely young lady who'd worked so hard, and I said, well, what are you going to do? She goes, well, I've already gone out and I had to get a loan, because to get my job, she works somewhere else now, to get to my job, I needed my car. So I had to go and get a loan at SEFQ, and I've already bought a new car. 
So as I left, I just couldn't stop thinking about this. And then we took up our offering, and I had no idea how much you were going to give in the uh, Give 2022 campaign. And yet again, Connect Church, you just blew us all away. We, we raised, actually, we, we announced a few weeks ago $35,000, but more's coming since then, so it's close to thirty-six or $37,000. And some of that we'd designated to Project 61571. And I just knew that the Holy Spirit was leading me to help this girl. So this week, I went along with Whitney, our uh, Connections Pastor here, and the pair of us got to go and visit the family. And uh, we sat with them in their living room, and we said, hey, listen, we just want to let you know that the folks here at Connect Church are very generous. We, uh, we think you're, you guys are amazing. We're so sad that this happened to you. You worked so hard to save up for this car. Um, so I hope you're not going to be mad, but early this week, we went and we paid off your loan at SEFQ. And here's a picture of us giving her... <laughs> So when she opened that Christmas card, it was the little slip that they print off of the bank that says, paid in full. And we said, this Christmas, we want you to know the love of God. He's done a lot for all of us. He's paid in full everything for us. So what a great way at Christmas time to show an opportunity to pay in full this for you. So Connect, you get to be a part of that because of your generosity. But you get to be a part of that every day of your lives when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. He's got so many things he wants to do in us and through us because he is Emmanuel, God with us. If we'll just allow him to come and, and fill our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Jesus, we, we literally sang the song this morning, Emmanuel. And maybe we've sung that many Christmases before and not really thought through just the depth of that word that you want to be with us. From the very beginning to the current day, we just see these examples, God, that you are with us. And not just for our sake, Lord, but that you can shine through us to impact the world in which we live. That we can show the love of you to others. So God, I pray that everyone here this morning will get to experience Emmanuel, God, with them. In Jesus' name, amen.